0: Well, we are in our series, Return to Worship, uh, going through the entire book of Malachi. Tonight is the last message in this series. Um, It's four chapters long, and this is week number seven, um, which is kind of cool. Seven's a good number, it's number completion, and um, a lot of you don't know this, but even... um, uh Shira and I got married on Sunday the 4th, this past Sunday, but Friday the 1st was actually our seven months of being together. So it's kind of cool that the weekend we got married was this seven months of being together. And some of you saying that's too quick, and just be honest with you, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, so, but um, I, uh, I, I'm excited getting into this uh, teaching of Malachi tonight. Um, Malachi chapter 4 is only six verses long. So I should only take about three hours with it. Um, So if you want to turn your Bibles on Malachi chapter 4, tonight's message is called Work as Worship. Work as Worship. Some of you are like, what the heck does that mean? You'll get it by the end of the message. There's some sort of ringing or hum up here, so if you can make sure I'm out of the monitors, that would be great. Um, So in our study in Malachi, the people, just to give you a quick recap, and I'm not going to recap all six weeks, but I want to give you the context. The people have been complaining to God. And we know that church people never do that. But they were complaining to God and even accusing God. They were like, hey, we're following you. We're in step. We're where we're supposed to be. And where is the promise? You know, we're doing the church thing. We're praying. We're worshiping. We're going through all the steps of the temple. Where's the promise? We are not experiencing blessing. And God is answering their their, their questions, if you will, to the prophet Malachi. And in the last chapter, God starts talking to the people about honor. He's saying, hey, I am God. I do not change. And you have got to learn how to start honoring people again and honoring me. We talked about that in receiving people in his name, you actually receive him. Because honor is not about what they deserve. Honor is about I honor what he created. The next time you have an issue honoring someone who even does wrong to you, this is how you battle that. You remember that you are dealing with a creation of God, and God makes all things good. So I honor you, not because you deserve it necessarily all the time, but because you are a creation of God. And if God created you, there's got to be something good somewhere. (laughs) And he says when you honor people in his name, there's actually a reward in it. Because in the principle of honor, you get the same reward that is due them because honor unlocks the blessings of heaven. And some of us don't know how to honor because everyone thinks that they're skilled in gifts of discernment. And sometimes in your gift of discernment, Satan's actually using God's gift for his glory because what happens is a lot of times you use God's gift of discernment to build up a wall and you don't understand that your wall of protection is actually locking up rewards of heaven because you build up a wall saying I'm not going to honor that person and what just happened was you won't get the reward. Not that you do things for the reward, but there is a promise of reward for simply walking in the ways of God. Honor. That doesn't mean you have to agree with everybody. But there is a way to disagree honorably. Talking about the pastor behind his back is not disagreeing honorably. You know how you disagree honorably? Talk to me. I promise you, I welcome the conversation. You don't disagree with people in the congregation honorably by talking bad about them or trying to throw them under the bus. And in every area of life, that is how honor works. You, you, do, you do not honor people by discrediting them. I don't know why I'm sitting on that, but you need to hear this. You receive them because of their righteousness instead of denying them because of their imperfections. And after God started talking about this, he started addressing the honor that was due him. Specifically in the tithe, in the offering that we talked about last week. That you give first to the storehouse, which I talked about, it's a way to lift a curse off the ground. Because a lot of people in church sow the seeds of time, sow the seeds of talent, sow the seeds of treasure. You give time to the church, you give your talent, you serve God, you give offerings, you give money in the offering box. But for some reason you're still going through a lot of hardship, you're still not seeing breakthrough. And you're like, well God, I'm here, I'm serving you, and the Lord says you can put seed Good seed into the ground all day. But how dare you put good seed into a ground that's been cursed? And he says the way to lift the curse off that ground is to first give a tithe, a representation of everything, so that it lifts the curse, or as Malachi 3 says, rebukes the devourer, so that there is no longer a devourer eating up every seed of offering that you give. Does that make sense? So, you know, I I grew up in the Baptist church, and what I learned was throw a dollar in the offering plate. I never understood that every time I put a dollar in when I worked, that seed was devoured and never got into the ground. Had to learn that the hard way. If you want to hear about it, listen to that message. But he's going through all this, all this return to honor and returning to honoring him, and at the end of the chapter, I love how Malachi ends it how God speaks to us. Now, I want to read that verse before I go into this next chapter in Malachi 3.18. It says, Then, someone shout then, then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. He says, When you start honoring my ways, you will not only be distinguished in the eyes of God, but also in the eyes of man that the world will look at you and see you as a different type of people because you're honoring all the ways of God, all of his commands, the laws that he asks us to abide in. He says you will start to be distinguished. In 1 Peter 2.11 it says it like this, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. The church has moved to being more relevant to something that we are to be distinguished from. Romans 12:2 is not up there, but it says, "Do not conform to the patterns of this world." Can I get a little bit more volume because I feel like people are falling asleep. <laughs> Do not con- perfect. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. And yet for some reason, we only celebrate Jesus in big, extravagant ways in April and December. According to a Roman calendar that was instituted to change the culture of church. For those that, that went that over your head, I'm talking about Easter and Christmas. Now, that is why I'm, we are trying to move this house away from Christmas services and Easter services. Because the fact of the matter is we should worship God in bold, extravagant ways every single time we come together. And how dare us think that God gives us permission to only give him worthy worship twice a year. I think it's sickening that the church has walked into this dimension of we give him more glory in December and more glory in April when really it's just we're expecting more people and we want to put it on a good show so they'll come back. That is, am I, am I talking too, too real? That is truthfully what church has become. My God deserves my praise the same in December, January, February, even in the month of July living in the South. He deserves every single bit of my glory. And we, how dare we say we give him more glory because he was born. Because in fact, in Jesus' ministry, he never, never even mentions his birth. Yet we model of, let's expedite on the birth. Let's be a people that give him glory in every season, not just a couple. So anyways, we're in Malachi. And today we're finishing this teaching, and it starts off like this in Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. The Lord of Heaven's army says, the day of judgment is coming. Yes, one of those messages. Burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. They will be consumed, roots, branches, and all. The day is coming. He starts off, the day is coming. Why does the prophet Malachi mention this? Why did God say this? Well, the people were discouraged because the wicked were prospering. And they weren't. So they're coming before God and they're like, what is the point of being holy and walking according to your ways if they're prospering and we're not? And I think maybe every Christian has maybe had that conversation with God. Why is it that the more I serve you, it seems like I'm going backwards and everyone else is moving forwards? So you know what God's answer is? The day is coming when every bit of this is going to be judged. Judgment has only been likened to heaven or hell. Now, before I get into this, I'm not like those new preachers that say hell ain't real. Hell is very real. And there is going to be a judgment that some go to heaven, some go to hell. But we've also missed that judgment is the very thing that brings meaning to our lives. That what we do now determines how we live forever. See, it says his judgment comes burning like a furnace. But it does not say that fire is only promised for the wicked. It says that there will, fire is promised for the whole world. And there's a big difference in a burning fire and a refining fire. 2 Corinthians 5, 9-10. Whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ, what? To be judged. Every one of us will be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we've done in this earthly body. We will all be judged. Not only for where we end up, but what we end up with. There is a judgment of because you did this, there is a reward in that. You see, evil in this particular text, when we read this, let me read it again, that we will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done. Evil in this passage does not mean morally or ethically evil. The word actually translates evil as good for nothingness or worthlessness. In other words, evil means the wasting of your time, your energy, and your life. You will be judged for wasted moments. Let that sink in. He says, you will receive for the way you manage your time. And some of the most evil things he will judge is how you waste what he gave. Time. Talent. Treasure. You will give an account of what you did with what he gave you. Is that sinking in? And what's interesting is that right before this very popular passage of whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him, we're going to be judged, the verse right before it says this in verse 8, yes, we are fully confident we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with our Lord. Now leave that up there. This passage is always read as a way to kind of give us some peace about death in the earthly fleshly way. But let's really read what this is saying. Will you die or be away from your earthly body? Because when you get away from appeasing your flesh, you're actually more at home with God. Would you rather give in to the comfortability of your flesh or be away from your flesh and be at home with Father? My wife tells me all My wife tells me all the time when she first started coming to relentless she said y'all y'all worship like like all in she, she used to say I'm never going to worship like that and I just said <laughs> <laughs> And I remember she went on the conf, a conference with a few people from the house and she came back and she and I, I, I she she just now that's all she does she can't help it and I remember her saying that when she walked away from the uncomfortability of worship and just lifted her hands, she felt a freedom and a weight lift because in that moment, she would rather be away from her earthly body of comfortability so that she could be with Father. And I think we all need to realize that we all have a degree of are you willing to get away from the comfortability of your flesh, even the comfortability of your personality, and walk into a dimension of walking with God. Your personality of I'm not a people person does not take you away from the call to be a people person. Yeah. That, that, that is actually the enemy perverting you, you as a created being. You don't get to say I'm not good with people because guess what? He created you to be all about people. If Scripture tells us that we can come boldly into the presence of God, according to Ephesians 3.12, then would would we rather be at home in presence or at home according to a personality that the world says is good, appeasing comfortability? Every time we are away from the appeasement of our natural, there is something going on in the spiritual. Every time. Because we're called to die to ourselves, but what happens when we do? Matthew 6, 20, store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Every time you will go away from giving into your flesh the desires that are not of God and you give God glory in that moment, you store a treasure. Because in that moment, that's what's going to be judged. What did you do with it? Did you appease your flesh or did you walk away from the body to be home with the Father? Every moment will be judged. And the reward is, when you say no to your flesh in that moment, to the standard that you created for your life, and say yes to God, treasure store. And that moment will be judged as good one day. But every time you do not, that's going to be judged too. What will it be judged as? Wasted. Because you could have given glory to God. So God tells the people through Malachi, You can complain about the wicked prospering, or you can open your eyes to the opportunities of kingdom prosperity. Now, in the church, we've perverted even that word prosperity, because when I said prosperity, some of you probably automatically thought, oh my gosh, prosperity gospel, is he becoming a prosperity guy? When I say prosperity, I simply mean you walking into a place where you have everything you need to complete your assignment. Simple as that. If God's called you to preach to people, then prosperity is you're walking in the gift of learning how to communicate, right? If you're called to serve overseas and go all over the world and preach, you might need an airplane. But if you're called to cut grass in Savannah, you don't need one. See, prosperity, its it's been a perverted thing. Prosperity is you have all you need to do what you need to do. That's not a bad thing. And he says... Stop complaining and watching what's going on with them and start storing up your treasure in heaven. Because what I love about how how God works, it's not just something that we will walk into one day. Because thy kingdom come, they will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. So everything you're storing up there, you can actually walk into a dimension here. Now and then. Is this making sense? Let me read verse 1 again. The Lord of Heaven's army says the day of judgment is coming, burning like a furnace. On that day, the arrogant and the wicked will be burned up like straw. they will be consumed roots, branches, and all. On that day, those who waste their time will not even be able to stand. It says like straw or the unusable part of the grain. When straw is thrown into the fire, it only lasts a moment. You ever seen straw in a fire? I mean, it it just goes. Because fire will burn up evil and fire will burn up the wasted parts of the harvest. Maybe the church should shift from a peace that some will pay for evil and wake up to a truth that even you got stuff that will be burned. So life is becoming, I want to stand before God with very little that can be burned up. All will be consumed, not just the straw, but even the roots and the branches. Nothing you anchor to is strong enough to help you stand, other than God. And some of the roots we stand in are, this is how I was raised. That root of your upbringing will not be strong enough to excuse judgment. You can't, when God says, why did you do this? You can't say, that's how I was brought up. Because you have access to the knowledge of God. You can't say I'm rooted in this is how I was taught. You can't say this is how my culture is. Because we have to come out of our culture and into a kingdom culture that supersedes any other. And your religion of life it's just as wicked in the eyes of God as the, as the spells of witches and warlocks. And while we point at what they're doing, we're actually walking in our own rebellion and witchcraft. And we say, God, would you excuse it because this is how I was raised. This is how I grew up in church. This is who I am. Saul tried that. You know what ended up happening to Saul? He got blind and saying, who's your daddy? God talking to Saul. Some of that didn't deliver to some of you. <laughs> Saul tried to do his own thing. Well, this is who I am, and I, I'm, a, I'm a religious guy, and I do all the stuff right, and these, these Christians that are going against the ways, now we're going to kill all them. And then one day God said, all right, I'm going to blind you. And that, then you're going to see, Right? And I, I fear that in the church we, are, we have our eyes so much on what has worked or what we think that we should work that you won't open your eyes to a movement that maybe you have never experienced before. Can I go even deeper with that? Yeah. Spirit-filled, free people are funny. Because everyone that comes relentless I always hear the same thing. We want to experience something new until you see new. Pastor Kyle, you are speaking my language. And I introduce something new. Oh, no, that's not right. That's not how I was brought up. And that's why you is stuck. (laughs) Everyone wants something new in new dimensions until we start walking into new dimension. And then there's criticism and there's, you know, accusations of heresy and all these things. And I'm, I'm just kind of sitting there like, you trusted me until I actually did what you said you wanted. Something new. I, I, I am an, is it okay to say it? I, 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 am, I am an apostle to this area. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to boldly say it for the first time. That doesn't mean you call me apostle. That doesn't mean you say Apostle Kyle. My name is Kyle. Call me Kyle. <laughs> but I walk as an apostolic person, and what that means is God's going to show me things that you ain't seen that I'm supposed to lead you into. And you know what it takes to walk into unseen things? Trust. And we have to come together right now and we have to learn that God is going to take us to some new places and it's going to be, she got it. And and it's and it's it's going to be a little different. But as long as we're lifting up his name and, and, and seeking him, different is the best thing that could happen. The, the, the disciples got up in the upper room, and they were just sitting there praying and praying and praying. And all of a sudden, fire was appearing above their heads. And they started speaking languages. And, and no one said, this isn't how Temple did it. <laughs> they just said yes. And then Peter got up and started preaching. And they listened the one that was wavering back and forth because they were seeking the same person. Oh, no, I don't went, know why I went on that tangent. Everything about us will be judged. Romans 12, 1 says, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever the task, pour yourself into it as if God asks. Did you know that one of the Hebrew words for work actually means worship? Work as worship. Open your eyes to the revelation that everything you do is a moment of worship. Y'all hear that? Everything you do is a moment of worship. In fact, I want to read that scripture in Colossians 3.23 through that lens. It says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. If people would serve church as if you were working for the Lord, you wouldn't get jealous if other people weren't there serving. Because your serving is not based off of who showed up. Your church attendance is not based off who's preaching. Whatever we do, we do it unto the Lord. That is being away from the body and being with the Lord. Why? Because we're no longer longer appeasing what's pleasing to our ears or to our eyes. We've gone through so many shifts in this house, and we're going to go through a lot more. Because I know without a doubt, there is. Is going to be defined as there ain't nothing like it. And that's not a prideful thing, that's just a call for this house. And right now, even though we look different in a lot of ways, there's a lot of things that are still the same. Maybe those things are good, I don't know. But we are always going to be in this position of God, what do you want to do? What do you want us to mold us into? And on the way in doing that, whatever we're going to do, we're going to do it unto the Lord. And in those shifts, Sometimes people are like yes, sometimes people are like no. When we shifted to Saturdays, no one wanted to do Saturdays. Now if I mention what about Sundays, everyone looks at me like I'm crazy. But it took about a year for people to buy into Saturdays. Even the worship team, we come up here with about 20 songs on the iPad now and we say we don't know what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, how we're going to do it, and sometimes we do songs that we don't even prepare. But, 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 I, but, you know, no one sees the process of nine years ago, one of our, 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 Jacob up here, he never even sang in front of anybody. Half the team never even led worship, and now we're flowing with the Spirit. Yeah. Thank, thank the Lord they trusted someone that said, let's go to a new place. Amen. Because they're not trusting necessarily in just Kyle, they're trusting that Kyle is seeking God. Yeah. And there have been times I have messed up, And failed in that seeking. And repentance says, hey, we went the wrong way. Let's go another direction. Are we willing to do that together? Or do you only expect perfection and build up a wall when you don't see it? Okay. It's an attitude of I'm not going to work at 50% because I'm tired. I will toil at my max until what I have done is pleasing to the one who gave me the task. Not the boss, not Kyle, God. My work will not be rooted in what pleases man. It is going to be rooted in what's pleasing to God. The way I honor will not be rooted in whether or not it is deserved. It will be rooted in is this pleasing to God. God says people Get your eyes off of them and manage your life in such a way that your eyes are on me. If we could just get that simple concept of everything about your life with your eyes on him. I get asked the same thing all the time. How do you handle all these people? Because when I look at people even that I feel like are Crossing me in the worst ways, I don't look at it as these are people. I look at it as this is God's creation. How dare I not honor? If we would just look through that eyes, we could deal with a lot more than you think you could. Well, God won't give you what you can't handle. That's bull. You know why? Why? Because scripture says when you're weak, he's strong. So God gives you what you can't handle to create a dependence on him. Don't think workload is the Holy Spirit saying this ain't for you. It means buckle down and do it as unto the Lord. Get your eyes on him. Look, look at the next verse, Malachi 4.2. Is this okay tonight? Yeah. Okay. But for you who fear my name, the Son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you'll go free, leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. He goes back to the promise that judgment will happen. And he says, for those that work or manage their lives in such a way that you fear his name, the son of righteousness will rise. S-U-N, the son of righteousness. We're going to get that in a minute. Fear. I honor everything unto the Lord because I fear a reality apart from pleasing him. That's fear of God. You're not scared of God. You fear of walking into anything that God has not ordained. I fear worship apart from his name. Y'all hear that? It is actually possible to sing songs about Jesus and not worship for him. Y'all realize that? It's called performance. You should not be coming to church to hear a good band. You should be coming here, the church together, pressing in to worship with other believers, and some are happening to play instruments. In other words, there is not two worship leaders tonight. Every one of us are participating as worshiping him in his presence. And the degree of all of our worship will be what dictates where we go. You know, when revival breaks out, it's not when we schedule something under a big white tent in a field. That's called Pentecostal culture. <laughs> Are those things real at times? Yes. Are they promotional events at other times? Yes. Revival is not about let's plan this thing. Revival is about Everyone can't get enough of worshiping him. And before you know it, we lose control and Holy Spirit takes over. That's, that, is re, that is revival. The, the, the body of Christ gaining its breath again. Y'all hear that? Revival. Some, something has lost its breath, so we're reviving it, right? So the goal is not revival. Revival is process for restoration. We've got to learn how to allow the, the wind, the breath of Holy Spirit to be the one that, that, that pushes our sails in the right direction. Not, not, our, not our head thinking and, and not our intellect. That's why we adopted a core value of moving with the wind. So that we can be prepared to move wherever he wants us to go. It says, when the sun rises, it brings a heat, a life it awakens creation. When the sun rises, it causes fruit to grow and it brings joy to the earth and invigorates, it heals, it refines. So the scripture says the sun of righteousness, the promise, the Messiah will come and there will be healing in his wings. More so, accurately, wings are likened to the rays of the sun. So when the Messiah is revealed, there is healing in everything that he touches. There's things extending from him into healing broken places, breaking chains. And it says, you will go free with joy and leaping with joy like calves let out the pasture. I wonder if you've accepted Jesus as Lord, have you truly begun to go free? Have you walked into a go-free reality because the rays of His healings have touched you? So bitterness is no longer chaining you down or binding you or forgiveness or the inability to love because the sun has, has, has has touched your life in such a way where those things holding you back are no longer holding you back and you're going free. The moment you said yes to him, there was a mandate to go free, leaping with joy like calves let out the pasture. The imagery is that of stall-fed calves set out of the open after a night of being shut up in a pen. They were tied up. This is, if you look at the, the language in other translations, it actually says this language. But I want you to un- get this imagery. You've got these calves, they're in this pen, they're chained up, they're, or they're, they're tied up, and they're hungry, and they're out in, in the cold, and all of a sudden, the sun begins to rise. Can you imagine the excitement in these animals? Because when they see the sun rise, they're thinking, oh my gosh, food's coming, restoration's coming, warmth is coming, and we get to be untied, and we get to go. Do you still toil as a slave, waiting for the sun to be revealed? Or are you walking in such a way in the revelation that the sun has come? How can, you de- how, how can you stay in your depression if you're touched by the rays of Jesus? And some of you are like, well, I deal with depression. Well, there's actually scripture that talks about how to trample on it. I'm, I'm going to get that in a second. You see, the original translation actually says to go out and grow fat like stall-fed cats. Fat meaning to grow strong and prosperous prospering according to worshiping the Father. Growing fat is actually breaking yokes of bondage off of your life because fatness is actually likened to the anointing. I want to read a passage from Isaiah 10:27. It says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. Other translations and meanings actually say be destroyed because of the fatness. Anointing oil translated is fatness. You grow in your anointing as you work as worship. As everything you do is unto worship, you're growing. Your anointing is growing. You're getting fatter and fatter. And then one day, the yoke that's binding you, that thing that depresses you, that thing that hurts you, if you will work as worship, everything you do is glory, glory, glory. One day, the thing that's around you cannot stay around you anymore. And it breaks off, and you will begin to walk in freedom. But you cannot wait to get delivered of your pain. To get delivered of your pain. Because the thing that delivers you is how fat you get. Not at the Mexican restaurant. But in walking in what you are anointed to do. Stop waiting for a prayer line to deliver you and start becoming a prayer warrior on the prayer line. That's how it starts to break. I'm in pain. Well, go, go start walking in what you're called to do because the more you walk in it, you start to get fatter and fatter and fatter and eventually the yoke of bondage breaks. That's what's going on with these stall-fed calves. Wouldn't it be amazing to get to a place in life before we die and go to heaven that we are totally free of anything that tries to come against us? He says, the way you do it is work unto worship. Everything you do, worship. The way you raise your kids, worship. The way you serve in church, worship. The way you talk to people is worship. The way you honor people is worship. Everything, worship. Because you're walking into a revelation where your eyes are always fixated on him. In verse three, it says, on that day when I act, You will tread upon the wicked as if they were dust under your feet, says the Lord of heaven's armies. He's saying as you go and you jump with joy, being free from all the stuff that's yoked you down, it says the wicked are trampled. So all the past sins that held you back is trampled. All the wasted moments, trampled. All the ones that have influenced you that should not have influenced you, trampled when you go as a result of being touched in his presence. Because you did away from pleasing flesh and began to worship. One of the biggest religious barriers that we have got to break through is, is developing this culture of people who think that church and meetings are all about the altar call. I love moments of prayer. I love healings. I love seeing people just get on their faces before God at the altar. And the altar is not the six-foot area between the stays and the chairs. It's everywhere you are before the presence of God. What we have begun to do in the church is worship altar calls. When the point of an altar call is designed for you to get so fat that you would get up and go. An altar call is not effective if you didn't take anything out of the building. What's the point of being delivered if you don't do anything with your deliverance? Because that will be judged as a wasted moment. That's why we have walked in this place in church where people give up the same thing at the altar every weekend. Give it up and go free. And sometimes the biggest stronghold is that you don't believe you're free. And the way you battle that is even when you're not free, serve unto the Lord. And just to make sure that we're not getting in sort of religious constructs, I'm not saying serve like get on a serve team at Relentless. I'm saying serve him in what you're called to do. When you go to work Monday, that is an opportunity to serve the Lord. When you go to sleep tonight, do you take time to give him glory for your day that you get to sleep, thanking him for another day coming? Thanking him that you might have a significant other. Thanking him that you have influence. Thanking him that you have air in your lungs. Every moment has a chance to say glory to God. This is all because of you. Not, I'm in such a bad place and I can't do anything. No, 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 no. If I recall, there's a prophet, Elijah, who during a famine, he said, I see a cloud full of rain. He didn't wait for the rain to come and say, "Oh, there's rain." In the middle of nothing, he saw rain. In the middle of your depression, do you see joy? Because you choose to see it. In the middle of a bad day, do you choose to see breakthrough? It's what you're choosing to get your eyes on. Does this making sense? many in the church are hoping to be delivered. When all deliverance ministry really is is helping you to grasp a revelation of joyful walking as to trample the schemes of the enemy. You know what deliverance ministry is? Let us help you walk into your own personal revelation that you have already been delivered. That's deliverance ministry. We're helping you grasp that. Damon Thompson says over and over, someone I listen to a lot, oh, if we would see Jesus instead of Christianity. Oh, if we would see Jesus instead of Christianity. Oh, if we would see the sun instead of our church business strategy. Oh, if we would see the sun instead of how the church benefits me. It is the sun who sets us free. And if we are free, let us walk as people of God. In verse 4, Malachi says, remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant. All the this is God speaking through Malachi. All the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. Remember to obey the law of Moses, my servant. All the decrees and regulations that I gave him on Mount Sinai for all of Israel. God's voice to the prophets is about to go silent for 400 years. For those of you that might not know, Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And then you go to Matthew. God doesn't speak through anyone that we know of for 400 years. And one of the last things he chooses to say is obey the law of Moses. And I feel like a lot of people go through these times of, what do I do when I cannot hear the voice of God? You remember the law and the ways of God. You do not need his voice to know how to work his worship. And a lot of people use the excuse of, I cannot hear God's voice, so I don't know what to do. I say to you, he's telling you exactly what he told the people of Malachi. Remember the law. Remember my ways. When you begin to walk in his ways, perhaps you'll be established again to begin to hear. They were pointed back to the law walk in the ways of God, but they missed something that we get to see. They missed the one thing that God kept trying to point the people back to. John 1:17, the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. That means that any idea of the father that doesn't look like Jesus is incorrect. Father is not the wrath side of God. God is wrath and God is love. You see wrath in Jesus. He flipped tables. And it was because he loved the people so much that he did not want them to stay where they were at. It's not one or the other. I was thinking today, and this may be way too out there for you, but I was thinking about even the Christmas season and how people say that, well, this is the time we celebrate Jesus' birth. Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't birth. He just took a new form because he always was. He, he existed as word, and then the word became flesh. So to say that Jesus was born so many thousand years ago, you, you miss who Jesus is. The new covenant in Jesus shows us complete law, and that law is incomplete without love and faithfulness. And the law was fulfilled in us seeing God in the man Jesus. The people fell into Satan's trap. They were were getting their eyes on the law. Do you hear what Malachi is telling the people, what God's telling the people through Malachi? He's, He's saying, remember the law. Well, haven't they been doing the law this whole time? They're in religion. What he was trying to tell the people is, you have wrapped your whole relationship up in simply doing the right things, but remember the law. It was the ways that God gave you to walk and live on this earth, and Satan loves to pervert the goodness of the law, and Jesus came to break his perversion. How? Law is a means of worship, not a means of earning. Why do I not murder Not because it earns me salvation, but because it's a way to worship God by not murdering. See, they missed that part of the law. The law was meant to give us the ability to worship him in his ways. So why do we not lie? Because in telling the truth, it's a moment to give God glory, not to earn salvation. I get excited. Y'all lame. Look at verses 5 through 6. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day. This is the last verses before Malachi shuts up for 400 years. or I mean, God shuts up for 400 years. Malachi. Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Do You hear that? He's saying, Elijah's going to come again, and if he don't, I'm going to strike the lamb with a curse. Now, if you've ever been to any sort of Jewish celebration, I can't remember the name of the specific one I'm thinking of, but they, I, I, I want to say it's, um, what? The Seder. Yeah, the Seder. Um, that there's a, there's a seat at the front of the table, and you know who sits there? Nobody. You want to know why no one sits there? Because they're still waiting for Elijah to come. And we're so fixated, and even Christians are still wondering, when's Elijah going to come? And we're so fixated on that, that we've missed, that he actually already did. You want me prove it to you? John, um, Matthew 11, 7 through 19. This is Jesus talking. As John's disciples were leaving, this is John the Baptist, Jesus began talking about him to the crowds. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? I feel like this is sometimes God talking to people who come here to, 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 with, with me. What kind of man did you think you were going to see? A guy that wears flip-flops in the snow. What kind of man did you go into the wilderness to see? Was he a weak reed swayed by every breath of wind? Or were you expecting to see a man dressed in expensive clothes? No, people with expensive clothes live in palaces. Were you looking for a prophet? Yes, and he is more than a prophet. John is the man to whom the scripture refers when they say, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way before you. I tell you the truth, all of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist, yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. You hear that? That means as great as John the Baptist was, he says, he ain't even as great as you. Now, when you think about that, God's saying, as great as John the Baptist is, how great you are. Imagine how God sees us when we don't give him every moment as a possibility of worship. He's speaking to what's in you. It's not waiting to get there. What's in you is waiting to burst out, and you're still ready to receive it. Just like people still waiting for Elijah when he's already come, I'm about to show you. You're, when is God going to give me purpose? When is going to God give me anointing? When is going to God give me gifts? The anointing is in you, but the only way it grows to break out is starting to walk in it. Giving God glory in every moment. Fat, 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 fat. And begin to know it. You're walking in your purpose, not even knowing what your purpose was. You know, when I began to walk in my purpose as a minister, when I took a job not wanting to become a minister, I cannot cannot begin to tell you what went through my mind when I said yes to becoming a youth pastor when I wanted nothing to do with church anymore. Now I do. But a lot of times it takes serving in places you don't know why you want to do it, but you're going to do it, to start walking and to see what you're going to become because it's in you waiting to burst out, right? so, So this is what he says in verse 12. From the time that John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. For before John came, all the prophets and the law of Moses looked forward to this present time. And if you are willing to accept what I say, he is Elijah, the one the prophet said will come. I don't know how it gets any more clear than that. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand to what can I compare this generation? It's like children playing a game in the public square. They complain to their friends. We play wedding songs and you didn't dance. We play funeral songs and you didn't mourn. For John did not spend his time eating and drinking and you say he's possessed by a demon. I'm going to pause there. Leave that right there. You see what Jesus is saying? He said... John didn't do what you thought he should do and you missed that it was Elijah and all you saw was a demon because he didn't measure up to your expectation of what Elijah would look like. I go through this now. Kyle, you must not be listening to God because that's not what we're hearing. One of us is hearing wrong. I'm just gonna leave that there. <clears throat> John did not spend his time eating and drinking. You say he's possessed by a demon. The son of man, on the other hand, Jesus, he said, I feast and I drink, and you say, I'm a glutton and a drunkard, friend of the tax collectors, but what wisdom is shown by the right of its results? Jesus is saying, I did everything you wanted me to do. I showed up at the party, I made water and wine, I came in on, on a colt into the city and you worship me like crazy and a few days later you were saying crucify me crucify me the spirit of Elijah came in John and he's saying because you had a specific expectation you missed the move of God you even missed me and if you remember during the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew 17 two people appeared And it was Elijah, and it was Moses. It's interesting that before God shuts up for 400 years, the last two people he mentions in Malachi chapter 4 is Moses and Elijah. Fulfilled when Jesus came. Jesus says, y'all so busy criticizing that you missed it. Y'all didn't receive John because he didn't look the part and I did everything you waited on but you didn't receive me. They were not doing their work and they were not doing their religious practices as a means of worship. They were simply doing the things to get it right. And when you're doing the things to get it right, you will miss the moves of God because your eyes are no longer on him your eyes on how you think church should be run based off of what you have experienced. Well, let me just shatter that religiosity really quick. I don't want to walk into things based off of how I've seen it's been done. I want to walk into a new dimension of presence of God that no one has ever experienced. Is that possible? Of course it is. Because there is always more And there are movements going on that have experienced more. And if you notice, every revival and move of God and every large house of worship that experiences new levels and new glories, it's always different from the other. And you know who who are the ones criticizing? The ones who look at it and say, that's not of God, while they're waiting on a move. I am fully prepared to walk into a new dimension in 2024 Actually, I take that back starting right now because we're not even going to go off of time anymore. We are going to walk into new dimensions as a house. We're going to see things this, this coming year and months and days that we have never experienced before. But it's not based off of when I take us there. Is when we all go there. If you trust in the vision of the house, then walk in the vision of the house. I see revival breaking out in house gatherings, and I still hear whispers that that just ain't for me. Then you're not bought in the vision. I know that's hard. I know that's tough. Because can, can I just, can I get in that for a second? Yeah. Well, I just don't like house gatherings. I don't like where all of them are right now either. But we can't take them to the next level if we don't get people walking into the current. Yeah. Trust me, what I see, they don't look anything like they are right now. We have some great gatherings, but by the way, house gathering leaders are not saying you're doing a bad job because the vision hasn't been cast for the next thing. What vision has been cast for is going great. And in January, we're going to cast some vision to go forward. And there's going to be some things you might not like, and that's okay. But it's going to be amazing if we would just walk in and jump in. Can you imagine when people start speaking about revival, they're talking about an experience on the couch in their own home? You want to talk about something that hadn't been seen? You know what's been seen? The wineskin of get thousands of people in a building. Hundreds of people under a tent. But what if the next wineskin looked like something when there wasn't the lights and wasn't the sound? What if it was people coming together in a home and getting on their face before God and never wanting to leave his presence? I think one of the most peaceful things about this passage is actually the last words of it. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. So you say, why, why why would you say that that's a comforting thing? Because it's because if you read it, it says, I'm sending you the prophet of Elijah. And his preaching will turn the hearts of fathers, children, children of fathers. And if that doesn't happen, I'm going to curse the land. But guess what? It happened. Which means he's not going to curse the land. Talk about changing your eschatology. I'll leave that one alone. If you want to talk to me about it, I won't talk to you about it. We're coming into a time where we, the church, recognizes the birth of Christ, which I already said what I said about that. But think about what is said in Malachi, knowing that he won't curse the land because Elijah came. And look at this prophecy about the Messiah in Isaiah 9. He says, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders. Right, A new way of living, a new way of walking, a a government that speaks to the storms, a government that tells dead men to rise up. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now watch this. His government and its peace will never end. You hear that? He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of the ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. His government and his peace will never end. Never. Why will it never never end? Because the ground that we walk on is not cursing us anymore. Because we are saved We are righteous people under the name of Jesus and when we walk into a room everything changes because we are the very dwelling place of God. Will we embrace that revelation? That when you walk into your places of work the place of your work does not have more power than what's in you so your work environment does not cause you to go down that day because The government is not in your work environment. The government is in you. Well, you don't know what it's like. I know what he's like. You know how he wins? He got on a cross. So don't tell me about how stressful your work day was when he says his government will not end. And I've redeemed you to carry it. Everything we do as an act of worship. The way we honor one another as an act of worship. The way we walk when we feel like God may be silent as an act of worship. The reason we do what we do, it's all as an act of worship work as worship I believe we're walking into a new day in this house and I'm going to be honest with you I get nervous all the time thinking about it you want to know why because I don't know what all it looks like and neither do you can I I even be more bold than that It's going to take a level of faith to be willing to go to a new place and you realizing that even you in all your wisdom do not know what it looks like. Do you hear me? I'm speaking to every person in this room and, and, and under the sound of my voice. You do not know what it looks like. You ain't that intelligent and you ain't that good. You don't know what it looks like. I don't know what it looks like. So we have to be willing to get out of what we perceive to be this is what it is and be willing to walk day by day, every moment, giving glory to God. It's quiet. Is anyone willing to go there with me? It's, going to, it's so good where we're going. It's, it's an honor to be part of a house and be part of people who want to go where we don't know where we're going. I, I, I quote a famous scripture when God's speaking to Abraham, I will take you to a place where you do not know. I want to go to a place where we do not know. Let's stand. <clears throat> Every opportunity as worship. Every opportunity is worship. You, you you need to hear me tonight that there There's something in every single one of you that is needed. Every single one of you. Teenagers. It's not about waiting until you get out of high school. It's not about waiting to go to the next grade. It's not about waiting to graduate from youth ministry. Youth ministry is effective when you guys walk into a place where you're leading. See, youth ministry is not to teach you the way so that you can. It's meant to equip you with the way so that you can right now. There's things in you. we have any more teenagers in here, teenagers in here tonight? Just you two tonight? Three? There's stuff, there's stuff in you. Like it's like you can lead your family into revival. You hear me? You. you, you you're, you're here every week pursuing God. There's something special in you. There's something special about you. You are set apart for a reason. You hear me? Like he delights in the fact that you love coming in the presence of God when you could be anywhere else. You're, you, you, I just declare over you, you are a strong man of God. Yes. Walk into it. Strong women of God. Change the schools. Change the circles. Remember what we decreed tonight? Influencers. And that's all of us. We are to be influencers. Not people who stand on the sidelines hoping for something to come down, but influencers. I just feel that strong in my spirit that I see a cloud. See a cloud Tori you got that word you want to share real quick and then I'm going to close <clears throat> Tori got a word after I asked about prophetic words and she said I don't know how to release this I said well let me read it and I read it and I said yep I know when that needs to be said so if you'll release it and then I'm going to close tonight Amen.
1: Hallelujah Hallelujah you are worthy Lord Of all of our praise, you are so worthy, Father. I just thank you uh, for the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Um, I pray that there will be a sweet aroma to the ears of your people. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. When I was in worship, I started having this encounter with a rattling that I felt in my body that was uncontrollable. I had to open my eyes because it felt so real it was like train tracks but it was just this rattling and then when I sat I heard the Holy Spirit say stir up the gifts stir up the gifts and then I heard equip for every good work and I believe that that is a word for this house that we are coming into a season where we all have to be equipped for every good work that Christ has put in us for us to do before the beginning And that the gifts must be stirred up, just as Pastor said, the gifts have to be stirred up. We have to, like, literally start walking in them. So even me coming up here is an act of faith. I always sit in the seat, and I feel so bubbled up with stuff, and the Lord downloads me, and I'm always like, Lord, no, somebody has to call me out first. I can't go up there. And I said, no, I can't do it anymore. So I just boldly went and I asked, because I like to follow the rules. But that's not going to work for this new season. It will, and I'm not saying I'm going to be a rule breaker and I'm going to, you know, go against God's ways. But what I'm saying is we have to be bold, and we have to let the gifts be stirred up. I also heard, so as I'm experiencing the rattling, when I sat down, I felt like the Lord gave me the words of what I was feeling, right? Um, So then I heard idols are going to fall down, and there's going to be really uncomfortable just as Pastor was saying, because it's, sometimes it's like what we're just so used to. It's what we're so comfortable with. But if we really want change, we, I mean, we should all be like coming in almost afraid um, because we don't know what God is about to do in our hearts. Uh, and then I heard the finishing work was that God's kingdom is arising. His kingdom is arising. And so I'm so excited for the advancement that's gonna happen in our city um, for God's people. And I'm excited that I'm going to be a part of it with you guys. So, yeah. hallelujah. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> so, I just encourage you as we leave here tonight, the next time we gather, come and dive right in. You've got gifts in you. You've got words in you. Let me tell you, we open this thing up at 515 every Saturday night there are things that you may need to release in the atmosphere from 5.15 to 6 before call to worship even happens because there's something in you that God wants to, 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 to birth. There's something that needs to be released. That's, it's not just a cool thing we're doing. If you would begin to honor the authority of Christ in you, oh, the things we would see. The rattling that would happen in this region, the idols falling down, the idol of church being destroyed, and just a people going after God. Amen.